0: so excited and happy to welcome you to join us today, Christ Journey family, once again gathering not only in-house, but at your house, joining us online across the nation, around the world. We're asking God's blessing to meet you with truth that could set you free and grace that will fill your heart with healing. Would you say amen to that prayer? Amen, because the topic today is another tough one. It's the second one in our series we're calling Asking for a Friend, and today the topic is racism. What would Jesus do with racism? The Oxford Dictionary describes it this way, defines it this way, prejudice. What is racism? Racism is prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. So it's, it's believing, feeling, pushing others into inferior because I believe I am superior. Did you hear about the two preachers, black preacher, white preacher, driving together along the road in a car and uh, they got to talking. The question came up, was Jesus black or white? And so they got to talking about this one and started doing verses back and forth. The next thing you know, the conversation became a debate. The debate became an argument. Next thing you're going at it, and they crash the car. So when they wake up, they're standing before the pearly gates. And the gates open, and they hear, Hola, hermanos. Bienvenidos. Yeah, we laugh about that in Miami. I'm gonna get in trouble from somewhere, from someone for telling that story today. Um, But the New Testament tells us Jesus was a Jew, Hebrew, Semite, Israelite. He lived in the Middle East. He was of Semitic descent. And as such, he probably had light to medium brown skin. He had brown to black hair. He had brown eyes. He was not European. He was not Asian. He was not African in his descent. His genealogy in Matthew's gospel shows us that before he gave his blood for the world, you know what? He got his world, his blood from the world. Where do I see that? The four women that are in the genealogy of Jesus: Tamar and Rahab were Canaanites. Ruth was a Moabite. Bathsheba was a Hittite. And King David came from the Israelite line. These are the bloodlines of the world of that ancient day, and they all show up in Jesus' bloodline. He was receiving his blood from the world before he ever gave his blood for the world. And Luke's gospel, Luke's gospel tracks it back to Shem, one of Noah's sons, Shemites, maybe you've heard the word Semites, anti-Semitism, one form of racism. Jesus would be a clear target for anti-Semitism. Listen, racism is an ugly word with an even uglier impact. And not only from the Bible's perspective, historians, anthropologists, people who study human culture, ancient civilizations on down through time, they tell us that until the abolition movement in the 19th century that involved William Wilberforce and John Newton, slavery was found almost everywhere in the world. Ancient history is full of it. The Egyptians enslaved the Hebrews as we know, Greeks, Romans, Babylonians, Persians, Asians, the Indian civilization built on hierarchies that involved slavery. This is human history. Sometimes young people wanna know, why is there slavery in the Bible, Pastor? It's because there's slavery in humanity's history. The Bible isn't always prescriptive. Sometimes it is thoroughly descriptive telling us this is how things are, as it tries to say, but that's not how things began or how God intends them to be, or how God wants them to end. When Christianity was born for a century, one in five people in the Roman Empire were slaves. That of five million people in the Roman Empire, one million of them were slaves. Slavery and racism aren't the same, I know that, but they travel together. It's not unusual for them to travel together, they certainly did in our country, racism has been called the original sin of America. You know what? Even people who don't use the word sin use it to talk about racism. Why is that? Maybe because of the contradiction to the ideals and the high values that are in the documents of our nation's founding. The Declaration of Independence reminds us, right? All men are created equal and endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights life, liberty. And the pursuit of happiness, the United States Constitution, we the people, we is a hugely inclusive word, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, we still need to form a more perfect union, establish justice, secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. So the deal is, you know, here's high ideals, powerful words, but then when we study our history or even look to our own personal past, we see that we don't meet the expectation, we don't live up to our ideals that, that these Ideals have been unpracticed and even violated to people's hurt through racism and slavery. One writer, an evangelical pastor of late, summarized it this way. I thought it, the quote deserved our listen. He was trying to, to give a summary of the thinking of the time from those involved in shaping the culture in American life. He said, Bad science held that black bodies were biologically deficient. Sick sociology assumed that people of color had to be placed in subordinate roles or positions. Evil economics perpetuated the lie that money and profit are the chief ends of human existence, ends that justified almost any means. And then slaveholder religion blessed, blessed all of it, asserting that God ordained racism, slavery and all and the systems of subjugation, close quote. Now, the purpose of this talk isn't to argue whether that assessment is accurate or not. I'm just trying to say the issue is pervasive and lots of people are talking about it, so we want to join the conversation in asking for a friend. But since it is such a massive topic and has so many layers and depth, we're going to focus our thoughts just for these few moments to answer the question, what would Jesus do? And the New Testament gives us clear insight into that, and I want to offer some summary principles, and then I'm going to invite a special guest up to help me talk about application in our personal Christ journey. Six principles that formed the value system or the worldview that Jesus practiced in his ministry, in his day as a rabbi, and, uh, and used in the way he related to people, dealt with people, offered miracles to people, and teaching for others. Number one, principle number one. I'm going to try to speak real fast and get through, them. okay? Number one, all human beings are created in the image of God. Say this with me, would you? All human beings. Amen. Bottom line, Genesis Created God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. What does that mean? From that verse... We see that every person has sacred value. In Jesus' worldview, every person shares the infinite worth of being an image-bearer of God. Principle one. Principle two: all human beings are descended from the same parents. This is Jesus' worldview. Genesis 3:20. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And then the apostles' preaching echoed the same thing. Acts chapter 17, verse 26. The Lord made from one man every nation of mankind to live over the face of the whole earth. This was the broad understanding that Jesus practiced in his ministry. Number three, every person is equally valuable to God. Would you say, equally valuable to God? To God. John 3.16 makes this one really clear. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, he gave him to the world, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then Paul tells us who that world is in his writings. One of them is Galatians 3, he says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. When it comes to your value, you share equal value and worth before God. And yet at the time he wrote that, some were claiming, I mean in so many ways Jews believed and considered that Greeks were to be despised, that they were unclean and inferior that Gentiles, there were two categories of people, Jews, non-Jews, which were Gentiles, and the Gentiles were considered inferior. Some even claim that God made so many Gentiles so there would never be a shortage of wood in hell. This was the practiced value that they were holding. And then Gentiles, as you know this, have persecuted Jews all through human history. So there's been no love lost between those two groups, and yet Paul says, in Christ... There's neither Jew nor Gentile. This is a radical statement. It's a radical thought. We hear it and say, oh yeah? Then he says there's neither slave nor free. Slavery was woven into the fabric of the Roman Empire. In first century life, Romans saw slaves as inferior. Not even second class citizens. They weren't even citizens. And yet Paul says, neither Jew nor Gentile, no male or female. Hey, the Romans believed they owned women. Women didn't have rights. Women were property. They were possessions of men. And yet Paul says... In Jesus, Christ. can you imagine receiving one of those letters in your congregation in that environment? And Paul says, "There's neither male nor female," and they're going, "What?" You know, it's like when it comes to equality from God's grace and being loved, there's, there's, there's no inferiority there. And Paul, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, he says every person is equally valuable to God. And Peter says the same thing, Acts 10, 34. God shows no favoritism. Say that with me. God shows no favoritism. He doesn't have Favorites. He loves everybody as if you were the only somebody that has ever lived with his all. Principle number four, these are the values that drove Jesus' worldview. Principle number four, every person is equally welcome to salvation in Christ. Peter believed this, Paul did too, the two great missionaries. God is patient with you. He's not wanting anyone to perish Of all the billions of people who have ever lived, God's desire is that every one of them spend eternity with him. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But because you're an image bearer of God, that means you have a free will. You get to make your choice in this matter. If God was making the choice for everybody, then nobody, but you have freedom. And so Peter says, that's why we got to take God's love to everybody so they can make their own choice about it. Then Paul writes, God desires all people. He doesn't leave anybody out. This is just radically inclusive. God wants all people to be saved, come to a knowledge of the truth. Nobody left in the dark about it. The other great apostle, John, he said, Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, but not for ours only but for the sins of the whole world. In other words, nobody's excluded. This is radical inclusivity. Everybody's equally included, covered by the death of Jesus Christ, who got his blood from the world, gave his blood for the world, so that anybody in the world who has ever lived can receive it by faith as a gift. Because God doesn't play favorites. Principle number five. All people will be equally valuable in paradise. What's it going to be like on the other side? Well, Jesus gave John a vision, and this is what he saw. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. And they were from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So when those gates open, who's going to be there? Well, people who have chosen to respond to his love from everywhere. Just as he intended. They were wearing white robes. They were holding palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. And he sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. And then principle number six. Jesus wants his people. Are you one of his people? you a Christ journeyer? you finding and following Jesus together? This is what he wants his people to do. From the beginning he's told us this. Love everybody. Love all people. The way I've loved you unconditionally. Love your neighbor as yourself. What you want others to do for you, you do for them. Do for them what you want others to do. Love is an action, not just a feeling. And this is what Jesus lived. This is what Jesus taught. This is how Jesus led. He wanted his followers to follow him, not only in Jerusalem, that's where it began, you know, all the religious types there that were so segregated. And then he said, we're going to go into Judea, which is where he was from, which was more integrated and more brackish water with culture. And then he said, now I want you to go into Samaria, which is where all their enemies lived. These are the people they hated. They were close by, but they hated them, even though they were close by. And he says, before you get to the world that you haven't even met yet, so you don't even know who you hate out there, I want you to start loving people from where you are and just keep loving them all the way out. This is Jesus plan for his church. Now to help me as we consider how to live that, I am so pleased to welcome to the platform, Althea Harris. Would you join me as we greet Sister Althea. Hey. Hey. Pastor. I'm so glad that you're helping do this with me today. One of the things that you may know, you may not know, you may know Althea because of her praising. Because of her praising, right? So, I'll tell you, she's a sister who's devoted and uh, focused on the Lord, especially when she praises Him. Mm. But you may not know this, she's also the chairman of our board, our church board of trustees. Althea is the chairperson of our board of trustees. Yeah. And, um, but, so we're getting acquainted with you just a little bit. So yeah. tell us something about yourself.
1: Okay, well, in addition to being the board chairman here, I'm the board chairman at Greater Miami Youth for Christ. And um, yes, thank you, Will. Um, <laughs> and uh, I serve also as a volunteer here in student ministry. Holla! Hello, Come student. body Yes, I get to go to camp and um, because of it. And I also lead a marvelous group of women in intercession. I know, uh, you, intercession prayer. is a great ministry yeah. of
0: yours. Students are a great passion of yours.
1: Yes, I love the Amen. students. Amen.
0: <laughs> well, you came to Miami how long ago?
1: About 25 or 26 years ago.
0: And then to Christ's journey, how long have you been here?
1: I've been here 18 years. 18 it years. goes so my quickly. Soul. Yeah. Yes, it
0: does. Yep. And your your family. Tell us a little bit about your family. Oh,
1: my family. Oh, well, I'm married to the one and only Mr. Harris, and uh, we have. Mr.
0: Harris. I've never heard her call it, him anything except Mr. Harris. <laughs> That's Though right. I was visiting with a neighbor this week who's who called him by his first name to me, so I won't, which will not be mentioned. (laughs) Right, right because,
1: uh, you know, you call him Mr. Harris too, so that I want to ensure that my husband is always honored. So call him Mr. Harris. And uh, so we'll keep his name under wraps. Um, But yeah, we have four fabulous, beautiful children um, who've grown up in this church, actually. Mm. Two are adults in college and uh, one in high school and one in middle school, Mm. yeah.
0: Well thank you so much for being willing to step in and then open up the conversation with us from yep. your perspective you can look at us and and tell that we've probably had different life experiences mm-hmm. in so many ways and so I'm so very thankful for you allowing us to peek into some of yours where have you fe- have you felt the sting of racism and yeah. if so where
1: well thank you i really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you all today, and but before I answer your question, Pastor, I would like to get agreement from the church, if I may. Um, can we all agree that this is a tough topic? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes? Okay, because you're not talking about this all the time, right? Mm. Right. And um, would you say that grace is very necessary in such a Amen. conversation? Amen. Yes. Okay, great, great, great. Now, I'm going to ask you not to tune me out. Okay? Because I know you've already made some decisions about me by looking at me, even though you don't know me. Right? So don't tune me out. And when I answer Pastor's question, please don't compare your pain to mine. Mm. Okay? And I'll agree not to compare my pain to yours. Okay? Mm. Don't put my pain on a hierarchy, and I won't put yours on one as well. Can we agree with that?
0: Yeah. Thank you. Praise
1: God. So I grew up in D.C., also known as Chocolate City back then. Which uh, means what? Because it was a predominantly black town Hmm. back then. Today, it's very diverse, um, but not uh, when I was growing up there. And um, I went to a church very much like this one in terms of culture and love. And, um, you know, I was one of the few little specks in the predominantly white church. The uh, white folks commuted in from the suburbs Mm. and you know what they strummed on their guitars sang kumbaya and Mm. taught me about jesus and loved on me and my life was good growing up i enjoyed that but when i got here Mm. hmm. Mm. hmm Can we show the picture of my family, please, that I talked about? Mm, This is my family pre-COVID. Aren't they good looking, y'all? I know. You don't have to say it. Uh, But as you can see, my family is on a color spectrum, right? And at one end of the spectrum is beautiful. And on the other end of the spectrum is beautiful. Mm Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, But when I first got here, uh, and I would be going out and about in Miami, um, I got these very odd responses and looks from people like, what you doing with that darky? Talking about my husband. Mm. And I was like, what? But I love him, and he's awesome. And then along came our children and our younger two children, are fair-skinned and have light-colored eyes. And people would just beeline to them, almost knocking over my older children, mm. to gush and carry on about their light eyes, oh, my God, as if my other children weren't there. And I found that very hurtful because I love my children. And I know that my children, all of them, are valuable irrespective of what they look like. Mm. So. It's been very strange uh, to live here because also um, I have an advantage, right? That if I keep my mouth shut, people pretty much believe I'm part of their group. <laughs> right? You're y yo from I'm everywhere. I speak Spanish and a little bit of you know, people think I'm part of their group. They're like, you know, and so I get to... I enjoy that um, entry point for relationship, you know, uh, with people. But then, you know, if I'm with my family, mm, maybe not, right? So um, those have been my experiences here. Um, And for me, um, when we talk about racism, um, I know that that's rooted Mm -hmm. in, in a pride, right? And a pride about yourself that's more than just self-confidence, right? It's, uh, it's a pride that pushes others down while you raise yourself mm-hmm. up.
0: So, I mean, I already made a comment, and I sort of know the answer to this question already. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask you, how do you choose to respond, and where do you turn for assistance in that? And, of course, we all know that you are a devoted Christ follower, yes. so that's part of why I'm inviting you to help us as Christ journeyers know right. how do we do this. How do you do it as a Christ follower?
1: Oh, y'all, I go to the Word. So shall we go to the Word and see what Jesus has to say about things? All right, so uh, Luke 10, uh, 25 through 37, the story of the Good Samaritan. You've all heard it before. Listen again, right? Mm. New ears. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, "Mm, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Mm. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Right! Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man, though, wanted to justify himself and his actions. Mm. So he further asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? Hmm. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Jesus asked the man, now, which of these three would you say? was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits. Hmm. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same.
0: A very familiar, famous story. Famous story. But I got to ask you, why that one? Why did I
1: pick that one? Yeah, and what, what
0: help is there for us?
1: Well, what I noticed there is that this story highlights our human nature, right? We ask questions we don't really want the answer to, hmm. right? And when we get the answer, we don't really want to do it. So we <laughs> ask another question like, who's my neighbor? Hmm. When Jesus was very clear that uh, Everyone. He loves the whole world, as you shared with us. But the man was testing Jesus. His motives were not good, and he sought to justify himself when Jesus asked the question. Friends, racism is wrong, and you know it. The man knew the answer to his own question. Love God with everything you've got, and love your neighbor as yourself. We all know racism's wrong, Pastor. We already know. The news tells us. Everybody else tells us. The Bible tells us. So we already know. And I love the fact that Jesus is consistent. Hmm. He's consistent. He says, yes. Love God with everything and your neighbor as yourself. Go do that. Go do that. Twice. Friends, Jesus is not changing his mind about love. Hmm. I need you to, to understand that he's not changing his mind about loving one another.
0: So we already talked a little bit about um, Samaritan, and you said the story's known as the Good Samaritan. Samaritans were despised, loathed, uh, considered yeah. completely inferior in Jewish culture at the time right. and yet Jesus as a Jew is telling a story making him the hero Right. so
1: right because Jesus is fabulous he is just so marvelous to make the person you hate the hero come on now I know you're thinking of somebody <laughs> and Jesus comes along and says oh that's the good guy makes you think if that's the good guy who am I friends our challenge is to live the truth we know Mm. that's our challenge is to live the truth we know jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth you know will set you free i promise you if you begin to let go of your things that you're holding on to that make you see other people as less than you Mm. you'll be free So anyway, Jesus knows we're tribal. He knows we're going to sort each other by color, by gender, by nationality, by ability, by economics. He already knows that. And we do sort each other that way. And racism allows us to sort each other with very limited information. Racism and all the other isms divide us. Mm. And it is a tool of the enemy to keep us divided. Jesus prayed for us in John 17 that we would be united. one, that united. we would be united. All these isms is a direct attack and affront to what Christ desires for us. Mm. What he died for, beloved, is that we would be one, not divided by silly things you can't control anyway.
0: Okay, well, in the story, there's also some passers-by.
1: Oh, yes.
0: You know, some people that walk by. What should we see in that? the church
1: folks. You talking about them?
0: Is that who those are? The church folks. Is that who those are?
1: Yeah, that's (laughs) who it is. It's the church folk. We know better. We're expected to do better, friends. Mm. We know better. We're expected to do better. Now, we're not perfect. And Jesus already knows that because the Bible tells us that we're being perfected. Those of us in Christ, we're being perfected. We're not there yet, but we're supposed to be on our way. We're supposed to be on our way. And so we're not just because we love Jesus doesn't make us perfect. No kidding. No, you know, I still you have. Know, I'm thinking c-
0: right now of, <laughs> of John, the <laughs> beloved apostle, is why he came to be known. But one day. An entire village of Samaritans had rejected Jesus, and John says to Jesus, Should we just burn them up? Should we just call fire down and we'll just, you right. know, blow them away right now?
1: And they walked with Jesus.
0: And they were he his was chosen. Right there. Yeah. They okay. heard him, they saw him. They- yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're not immune. Just because you're in Christ, you're not immune to having, you know, selfish thoughts, unkind thoughts that leak out of your mouth. I do the same. Okay, Um, just remember that we're being perfected. And when Mm. you are hurt, when you are mistreated, Mm. when another believer crosses over to the other side, Mm. remember, they're not God. I'm reading a book right now by um, the Catholic priest Henry Nowen. And uh, he was a priest, a professor, a psychologist, and a very prolific writer. And he writes very vulnerably about how another Christian hurt him. Hmm. And he, he says, at first we may be disappointed in these people, our loved ones, our fellow believers. For a while we thought that they would be able to give us all the love, the goodness, and beauty that we needed but gradually we discover that they were only signposts on the way to discovering God. Amen. So we can't get angry at one another because we're not God to each other. I'm supposed to help you understand you need God for yourself. Hmm. Only God has the strength The power, the consistency, the faithfulness, the resources to meet your every need. And he has provided for that in Christ. So don't look to me. I'm not Jesus. Look to Jesus to meet your every need. And when you are steeped in racism and all the other isms, it's because you haven't realized that you need God too. You haven't realized, you've got a little arrogance problem that you don't realize that you need forgiveness just like I do. But Jesus is here. Didn't you say he was here for the whole world? Mm. And he wants all the world, whosoever will, to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Listen, the world, pastor, is doing the best it can without Jesus. It's making up rules and regulations and laws to get me to treat you right, to not discriminate, to let you have the job even though you're white and I don't really want to. But the standard that Jesus gives us is far higher than the standard that the world is offering. The world cannot make us unified. Only the love of Christ can make us unified. And this is the imperative of the gospel. This is why we have to share the love of Christ with others. If we're ever to come to unity, if if ever.
0: Well, I know that you and I have had several conversations in preparation to this time, and we can't fit everything into the time we have. uh, you have managed somehow, you figured out how not to let bitterness have you. Yeah. So maybe you can help us in sharing that, know what some of our takeaways today yeah. could be when we get bumped or bump into racism as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Did you take well, us home?
1: I would, you know, friends, um, the Holy Spirit helped me about a decade ago to understand that I cannot expect Christ-like behavior from people who don't know Jesus, You're looking for things in all the wrong places if you're waiting on people to treat you right without Jesus. So what can we do? Well, friends, I would say, as a starting point, ask yourself the tough question. What do you risk when you decide to see someone as the image of God, the Mm -hmm. imago Dei? I'm not bitter, Pastor, because I know who I am. Mm. I am Imago Day. Amen. I know that even if you don't. Even if you don't know it or you don't care, it doesn't matter. I'm Imago Day. You're Imago Day. What do you risk recognizing me as someone who's Imago Day? Significance? You worried about looking weak? Or oh, do you think maybe you're going to maintain your status? in the pecking order? These are all the things that you got to think about. Are you holding on to your anger and your bitterness because you think you have a right to it? That makes you superior because you didn't do what they did to you? Mm. Think about that. Ask yourself that hard question. Then, what can you do if you've been hurt or excluded? Why, friends, My answer is turn to Jesus, turn to Jesus and let him heal you. The Bible declares there is a balm in Gilead that heals. Let Jesus take that pain from you. That's what he died for, that your wounds would be healed. He came that you would be healed. Forgive people. Listen, holding on to unforgiveness just hurts you. Do you realize that half the people you're mad at don't even know you're mad at them? They don't even know. They don't care. You're just hurting yourself. Get out of that. Forgive them. Listen, to repay good with evil is wickedness. To repay good for good is human. Y'all don't have any problems with that. But to repay evil with good is to be like Jesus. Because while you were an enemy of God, while you were steeped in your sin, he died for you. He died for you when you weren't even thinking about him. And forgive people because you have been forgiven. Colossians three twelve tells us since God chose you to be the holy people, he dearly Dearly loves, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another (laughs) and forgive one another. When we say things, we do things that are wrong. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive them the way the Lord forgave you. Out of the abundance you have so freely received. You're expected to freely give. This is the expectation of Christ. So now, how can we stop discriminating against others? How do we get rid of those isms? Well, beloved, you already know the answer. Mm. It's in you. Reflect Jesus. Reflect his love to others. Do what Colossians just told you to do. Bear with one another. Jesus bears with us all the time. Love people. Oh, my God. Listen, if you pray anything when you leave this place, pray God help you see people the way he sees them. Pray that the Lord will open your eyes to see me, to see others as the image of God. Pray for that. Then love because you are loved. Listen, friends. Not only am I Imago Day, you're Imago Day. The Bible declares that you're to love God with all you've got, love your neighbor, and yourself. You're Imago Day. Come to know that. When you know that you are deeply loved by God, you're gonna understand it gets easier and easier to love others. Because you're not afraid. You're not stuck believing you're not worthy. The Bible says you were worthy. So Jesus came and died for you. That's how much you're worth. I don't care what anybody else says. You are worth the death of Jesus Christ. And because he's risen, you can live the way he's called you to live. Amen. 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 Thank you, Althea. Amen. Amen.
0: Let's pray together, shall we? Gracious God, we thank you for your daughter, our sister Althea. We thank you for the story and the truth that she's reminded of us, of us today, and, um, and the insight she's shared with us that we can take from here. I'm praying for somebody now that you would open their eyes to see themselves as you see them. Yes, Lord. An image bearer of God, and to open my eyes, open our eyes together yes, when Lord. we look at one another, to imagine each other as image bearers of God, that you would then touch and enlarge our hearts to, um, to do love, to practice love the way that you have modeled it for us, yes, and not to hold on to hurt and grudges, but to willingly be letting them go. And starting fresh with you. Yes, Lord. In fact, Lord, I'm praying with somebody, perhaps you right now, you just need to say, Lord, I've I know better than I've been behaving. Mm. And I I'm following you, but I've kind of <laughs> the situation I'm in, you know. But right now, you would say to the Holy Spirit, please cleanse me, forgive me, and set my my mind right and my tongue right and yes. my life right about changing these behaviors yes, Lord. with those with whom I differ. They don't look like me, they don't think like me, they don't act like me, but I know you love them and I want to be like you. Yes, Lord. And perhaps you're here today and you know that God is calling you to begin a relationship with him through Jesus that you haven't had. And if that's you, then you can join me in this prayer from the heart Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my life. Help me see myself the way you do and restore your image in me that I might follow you and be part of loving others the way Althea has reminded us you command. I trust you as my Savior and as my Lord. In your name I pray. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, our heads are still bowed just for a moment. If you're joining us online, you can enter that in the chat. I just prayed with Bill and let us respond. But if you're here and prayed with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith forward, would you simply raise your hand and hold it up for a moment so that I can see and then offer my prayers. Amen. In the right... To my right, toward the back, God bless you. you, And to the left, toward the back as well. Here in the middle, about the center row six, God bless you. And then to my right, once again in the middle, God bless you. And to the far right, amen. We're all praying for everyone who's raising their hand. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And to my left,
1: hallelujah.
0: Lord Jesus, for every person who by uplifted hand has said, My heart is open to you. And they have trusted you for the forgiveness of sin. May they feel your presence, know your grace, and the embrace of this church family as we now join them on the Christ journey together. Yes. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.